Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 68. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we've seen with Charles that he hasn't seen. This week, we watched the 1978 movie Superman, colon, the movie. <laughs> so Charles, tell us about Superman. It's a movie. And this movie features Superman's origin story, which I think most people are pretty well aware of. Like, Krypton gets blown up, and Superman is a baby who gets sent to Earth uh, as the last Kryptonian. And he discovers his powers and gets some advice from his adoptive Midwest farmer parents. And then moves to the big city to become a reporter named Clark Kent. And while this is happening, Lex Luthor is developing his evil plan to set a nuclear bomb off at the San Andreas Fault, which will cause a giant earthquake and uh, make half of California fall into the sea so this real estate becomes super valuable. But it just sounds um, kind of stupid when you say it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Superman comes in and saves the day. Well, and also literally turns back time. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he fails to save Lois Lane, who he's in love with. So he gets so distraught that he turns back time, but not far enough back to stop the earthquakes from happening, apparently. <laughs> but far enough back that he can save Lois Lane. And he does it by flying around the earth at he, a very high speed. He flies backwards around the earth really fast. Yeah, and then frontwards. And then forward. Just, just to again. make sure time goes <laughs> forward. It doesn't again. go backwards forever. You want yeah. to kickstart it. Yeah. So this was, this was my pick, um, the Superman, the movie. Like I said at the end of the, the last episode, I'm mostly selecting it because we got Infinity War coming up, so superheroes, uh, Marvel properties, this is DC, but superheroes nonetheless have been in the pop culture consciousness, and this is not the first superhero movie, it's not even the first Superman movie, um, but it's the first one that really came out of a big studio in the current structure of creating these movies. It's kind of the origin story of origin stories in a lot of ways. Um, and I was curious how it would hold up. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And um, I was wanted to see how it compared to superhero movies in general, action movies, how we're doing them now, and DC in particular, since it's they're still using this character. Um, and I wasn't like totally disappointed. This movie has problems, but I think that there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's stuff going for it. Um, and I mostly had a good time with it. I think it's better than any of the modern Superman movies. Yeah. Yes, I agree. But that's yeah. a pretty low bar to clear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That is I, I don't want to damn it with faint praise. I think it's better than, than just that. <laughs> it is certainly better than all the other superhero movies or Superman movies that we've seen in the last fifteen years. I but aside from the Batman movies, it's better than all of the DC movies. I think. I, I Wonder Woman. Yeah, I know you're not too high on Wonder Woman, but uh, I liked Wonder Woman well enough. Wonder Woman's a better movie. Yeah. I'm not sure that I like it. But That's fair. Yeah. That is a fair distinction. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this one, I, it, it mostly works. Um, the biggest problem with it is, is pretty obvious that you can take out like eight minutes of the first 45 and get rid of the rest, and it's a better movie. <laughs> like mm. most of the, like it takes like 45 minutes for this movie to start. There's like a pre-credits Marvel scene that like kicks the movie off. Or sorry, a post-credits Marvel. So, a scene that you would Try see, that like, again. <laughs> yeah. well, you, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. a scene that you would see, like, after the credits right. or mid credits in a Marvel movie is, like, what starts this movie, which right. is, like, a setup for the sequel. Right. It's a guy they're sending yeah. into, because it opens with oh, yeah. his dad, like, condemning General Zod and company to the negative zone, which is DC space jail. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, General Zod is. The villain. I kind of oh, forgot it, about that. Scene. Yeah, he's a major villain in the Superman mythos. He is the villain in Zack Snyder's first Superman movie. Yeah, uh, played by Michael Shannon. And in the direct sequel to and this in, movie. And in Superman 2, the actual 
uh, Richard Downer sequel to this one. Yeah. Um, so, so they already had that planned out. They were ready for the sequel. They were very confident that they, this movie would no, be popular. No, they shot both movies at the same time. Really? Yeah. I did not Even know more that. confident. Yeah. Okay. They were okay, incredibly so. confident, actually. <laughs> that, is, that is bold. Yeah. So they had the concept of a cinematic universe all set up. A little bit, yeah. Little, no other superheroes. Um, right, but yeah. the, the Superman universe. Right. I, I, I kind of wondered how they managed to snag Brando for multiple you know, super, so super the answer movies. is they didn't. <laughs> okay, go um, on. So they just shot all of his scenes in like one go. Well, right, no, um, I'm saying so that's the explanation, right, is that they just did it all at once. Well, they had meant to bring him back for more scenes, but he was... Like, fuck that noise. Being, he was being Brando. <laughs> yeah. Tough to blame him. Like, he did. He was just a fucking exposition machine in this movie. Uh, so I don't really blame he him. He was apparently him. very difficult to work with once again. And, and of course, it was least. hard to get him to do anything. And oh. he made $14 million. Oh, in yeah. The, and he the, got first billing. Christopher Reeves was the third billed person in this movie well, he's, after the after the title. He's nobody, though. So right, exactly. That's time. why. Yeah. Well, so he got to be by himself after the title, so I think that's pretty cool. Right. So it was, yeah, it was Brando, Hackman, the director, title, then Christopher Reeve. So really, mm -hmm. he's the fourth build, <laughs> and you don't see that very often with the you know lead, lead no. actor. Yeah, but uh, Brando made more than a million dollars a minute of screen time. <laughs> so that's a pretty good rate. <laughs> that's a pretty good rate. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Uh, I, yeah, and he looked surprisingly sober for 1978. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't yeah. expect him to be that, because this is after Apocalypse Now, and I think after Last Tango in Paris, and he's not super sober in either of those movies. I mean, they only had him for, like, two weeks, so. Yeah, so I mean, dry just, out, Brando. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you get what you get. Yeah, exactly. Go. Um, he kind of looked like George Washington, right? I didn't notice that, but. I, to me, I was like, oh, it looks like, looks like George like Washington. A, a Baroque composer. Yeah, like with the well, big he's wearing the hair. wig. Yeah. Yeah, the white wig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, I don't know, for some reason I read that as, as Washington. Um, yeah. You're right, though, though. I think, like, we don't see Superman, Superman for it's, I, I checked. over an hour. Yeah. It, no, well, I think it's because you get that shot of him in the Fortress of Solitude where he, like, first gets the magic Superman suit and he flies off. And then from there, it's still another like fifteen or twenty minutes before he like does Superman shit. Yeah. And so at that point, it's an hour in. Yeah. Yeah. And Lex Luthor is not introduced until like an hour and ten. Well, relatively well into the film. Yeah. yeah. Instead, for a while, the the primary villain is the high school bully that <laughs> makes Clark Kent clean up all yeah, the equipment. Teenage feelings are the yeah. real bully. Yeah. Exactly. Here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like normally and carotid for these, arteries. Normally for these like. Um, intro sequences, you kind of establish the characters' like ideological struggle, or right. like what makes them the way they are. But none of these scenes really did that. Like he he gets some like sort of pseudo philosophical statements from his father and mother, and he like runs really fast to show off to some girl at the high school. Right. Well, next to that train. Yeah, yeah. and then like that's kind of it, and the scenes just felt. Worthless. Yeah, a lot of them could have been cut. I mean, he pa Kent gives him this kind of version, like a DC version of the power responsibility speech that we get in every Spider-Man movie. Um, but that's yeah, that's the closest thing to really like doing anything with a character. And the guy that they have, like playing young Superman, is just nothing. I forgot yeah. how little they look kind like of Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Missed that, but okay. <laughs> they really use his parents very little. Pa Kent is in two scenes. Yeah. Yeah. In two scenes. Yeah, and then his death um, is like, you don't really feel it because he's only in two scenes. Right, yeah, he literally He's not like an important it. figure yeah. in Superman's life. He's just like a stranger, essentially. Right, he, he literally drops dead. And it's kind of fine, right? Like, I think I'm, I'm okay with 
ignoring most of that stuff. I mean, <laughs> you could start I, the I think movie that stuff like is very interesting. You could start the movie like there. That, that right? was my point. Yes, yeah. I, I, I think we're we're reading this from you know a 2018 perspective. Yeah, then that and, is hard. And so like we're very used to the beats that superhero origin stories take, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Mm -hmm. We know that that's why they've started just like skipping them in so many superhero movies these days is because everybody knows how Superman became Superman, how Batman becomes Batman. Yeah. It's better, it's like pick your guy, and we basically know what the origin story is yeah, already. Part of the reason that we know it so well is because of this movie. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that, that, when I said this is the origin story of origin stories, like it's kind of true um, in that this was, in a sense, the first one to really do it in a big production. Yeah, but they managed to have all these origin story scenes without really imbuing them with any meaning or purpose. Right. I'm not saying it's annoying. well done. Yeah, yeah, and, and I agree that this movie could be trimmed substantially in, in that in that early part. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of him being kind of a small town guy mm -hmm. um, with that kind of upraising upbringing, but like you need to actually give yep. him some like struggle. Right, there's no, there's not a lot of conflict there. It doesn't really conflict, inform, yeah. it doesn't inform the character that much. Yeah, exactly. Um, because all we're really learning is like he's a nice guy from a small town, and they establish like Christopher Reeve establishes that like in his first scene as Clark Kent, right? Like we know that he's super nice. We know that he's not from the big city. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We know that he's kind of bumbling and like doesn't have social graces and stuff. Like we could get that stuff way earlier and way better with with just. Reeve being a pretty good actor, honestly, in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I'm in, am not interested in defending that. <laughs> the early yeah. sequences here, they're not good. They're not. Good. There was some like cool stuff in those scenes, but it was more the stuff and not so much like the acting or. Yes. Like. I like the glowing suits, so that like the Kryptonian swear. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is, this is cool. I don't know what's it's happening really here. Like I, I like reminiscent, that. right? Yeah, yeah, I think they're just like wearing like wetsuit material or something. But yeah, with some glowing. I mean, it's probably post production that they have the glowing shit, but sure. Yeah, but that, that was like a surprisingly yeah. like good effect that like held well, up well. And, and same with some of the miniatures that they were using. They use miniatures a lot in this movie. Not all are good, well, but yeah. some of them are. Some of the Krypton stuff though is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it has the, a cool aesthetic. The, yeah. the formation of the Fortress of Solitude worked for me. Like I thought that there were some yeah. reasonable practical effects there. Yeah. Um, like he got you got a good like long distance shot that didn't that was a model but didn't really look like a model like some of the other stuff did. So I, I think that worked. So yes, you do get some some neat effects, right? And yeah. So I wish that a the acting was better. I wish that we just like spent more of this time on character work rather than yeah. nothing. <laughs> um, but um, I think it pays off. No, it doesn't pay off, but it gets us somewhere that is worthwhile. Because the bulk of this movie, I think, works really well and, and held up for me. Um, yeah. So this is, obviously this movie is driven by Christopher Reeve, so how do we feel about his performance and him as Superman? I liked his performance. Like, you could tell that he had two very different personalities yep. for Superman and Clark Kent. And it was always funny to see him in like super nerd mode. With yes, Clark it was. Ken, like always, very obviously pushing up his glasses and like being super se super sheepish. Um, That's hard to say. Yeah, super sheepish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was in direct contrast to his like confident um, and charismatic self as Superman with the glasses off. Yeah, I mean, I was very, very on this very very much reminded of that sequence that bit at the end of Kill Bill Two. You guys remember what I'm talking about? Where sure. it's when the Uma Thurman character finally finds Bill, and he, Bill gives this little spiel about how Clark, or about how Superman is not the alter ego, right? About how Clark Kent is the alter ego, mm -hmm. and that Clark Kent is 
Superman's critique of humanity, right, where he sees humanity as, as weak-willed, as easily cowed, as simple, right, and how he actually is when he takes off his costume that is Clark Kent is how he actually, how his real person, which is, which is Superman. And um, I don't know if that point actually comes up in this movie. I don't think it does, but that's what I'm reminded of whenever I see Superman stuff now. That sounds like an alt-right thing. You think so? Kind of. Okay. I mean, it's reminiscent of like how they think about the Matrix. Well, and how they think about, yeah. it, I mean, because the Superman figure has come up many times, right? Because yeah. you, you see, you have Superman, you have Shazam, in, also in the DC universe. You have multiple Marvel heroes, uh, Dr. Manhattan in, in Watchmen. So, but yes, that, that is what, what, I'm not saying I agree with, with Bill there, but that is what I think of. I, yeah, it seems like quite Superman. a pessimistic view of oh, Superman. Very much, yes, it is. Um, and I think now that I think about this, this movie kind of runs counter counter to that, right? Because he spends a there's multiple sequences where he is saving people from pretty mundane shit. Right? That that was one thing that really struck me is like, he'll the range of his abilities <laughs> yeah. are well, not just his abilities, but his like actions, actions, yeah, the actual is, stuff he does. Yeah, anything from saving a cat to like stopping a natural disaster. Right, he does it all. <laughs> so there's like the spectrum of what he's capable of doing is <laughs> like I think that's when they and that reflects on like his abilities too. Where it's like he he there don't seem to be any stakes to the movie because he seems that's, to be able to do anything. That's always the problem with Superman. And the fact that, that he can turn back time is like even more he's basically a god. <laughs> that's, intense because yeah. it's like, like... Why didn't he fix all this shit, right? Yeah. I was surprised that they... So I've heard of that scene before like, happening, but I was surprised that they brought that up in the first movie because that seems like a power you introduce in a later movie when you've run out of ideas because <laughs> no. it seems way too powerful to give Superman <laughs> off the bat. Right, and... I, you kind of just got to accept it a little bit. Like, superhero comic book stories do this shit all the time, right? Yeah. And, yeah, I, of course it doesn't make any sense, yeah. right? It doesn't make any especially on a physical level, it doesn't make any sense. Because that's just not how time works. But, um, yeah, I, I have a hard time not just laughing at that at that moment. Uh, but what I like about how he what, how Superman presents his skills and his abilities in this movie is that he never punches anybody. There's like there's no fight That's in this true. movie. He like at one point he like lifts up Lex Luthor and like tries to give him a shakedown to tell him where the secret whatever is, and that's as violent as it gets, right? For the most part, he uses his super strength and whatever to block rivers from stop towns from being flooded or to mm -hmm. hold up airplanes that are going to crash or you know hold the helicopter that Lois Lane's going to die in, like he or to fix an earthquake or something when he goes underground. Yeah. <laughs> you just push the ground up a bit and the earthquake <laughs> yeah, stops. Yeah, that's, right? that's what an earthquake is. <laughs> but he never uses it to just physically overpower somebody, right? And I, I've never seen that in any other superhero movie. Every single one, even like the Captain America movies, yeah. who is certainly their modern version of this kind of superhero. Yeah. Now, he's every single movie, he's punching somebody. He's kicking them. He's getting into a physical altercation. And... The, this Superman doesn't at all. He just they, he just they just skip that outright. Sure, I didn't think about that. And it's kind of stunning that this, which is really like the again the origin story of our modern day superhero movies, skips fighting. <laughs> it, it just doesn't have any fights in it. And I was stunned. Maybe that was like kind of an acknowledgement that like any sort of fight would not be 
Right. It's like, kind of, what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, is something that a lesson that Zack Snyder at all have totally skipped, right? Like he they, in the sequels. Well, I movie. don't think Superman yeah. fights uh, fights human beings in the new movies. I, I only see he him fighting when he's fighting Batman. other. He fights, he fights Batman. Well, <laughs> yeah. non-superhero humans, yeah. right? Because Batman's a, got his armor and stuff. Right? A, he has his money. That's he's, his. he's fighting <laughs> uh, <laughs> other Kryptonians and Man of Steel. Right, and murders one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, but on this. It, on the same sense, he is. There are acts of violence throughout that movie, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he's not fighting a person, but he is fighting, mm-hmm. right? And he is destroying all these buildings, and like this town basically blows up because he's kind of Goku in those movies. And that, in this movie, he's preventing that destruction, right? Like he's fixing earthquakes and shit. Yeah, that's and true. it's it's interesting to see a superhero, and Marvel has addressed this a little bit, but not that much. Um, in like Avengers 2 and things like that. But it's interesting to see a superhero that is really about primarily actually saving people and preventing destruction rather than using destruction to assert their own dominance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's novel. He's still... He like he is a cop though. Yes, like, he like he he keeps turning people over to the police. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's it, into busting like really petty crime. Right, that guy was. He drops him off in the prison. And he's like, "Hey, prison warden, we're on the same team." team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was literally says that was very that. troubling. He says something similar to one of the cops that he like hands a robber over to the guy that was like using the. Right. Suction cups on the, on the building. Freaking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> they have an actual guy crawling on the side of a building. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Mission Impossible 3 right there. Right. But he's not doing it to like break into the CIA or whatever. He's just stealing Robinson some necklaces. Some jewels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, I was like, wow, Superman's like a bit of a fascist in this movie. It, like, every, yeah. I mean, that's, Superman is a fascist, right? Like, just yeah. period. The, the only instance of Superman that isn't fascistic is probably Red Sun. Where are you guys aware of Superman Red Sun? I've heard of it. No. It's the one where it's the alternate telling of the Superman origin story, where instead of landing in Kansas, he lands in Russia, mm-hmm. and so he fights for truth, justice in the Soviet way, and has a big iron and sickle on his chest instead of yeah. the <laughs> instead of the Superman. But symbol. the S is from is from Krypton. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, but they did that anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, you give up your. You, you give up royalty and shit when you join the, the USSR. Apparently, apparently that was Brando's idea to put the S on this. Really? Uh, he had ideas here? I thought that he was just getting his... Brando was like, we yeah. should put the S on my... Interesting. That was his idea. He just wanted okay. to be sort of Superman. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's Snyder ends up picking that up. Yeah, uh, that's wholesale. been, like, adopted. Yeah, it's, like, the, his, his family crest and all that. Um, um, but, yeah, Red's, that, that's probably the only instance of Superman that isn't about you know, asserting law. That's interesting. Is he framed as like a bad guy in that story or? I mean, mean, from the US perspective, he certainly is, but it's told from the Superman perspective. He's just a a communist now. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's it's interesting. How does he act differently when he's a communist? It's been a little while since I've I've read Red Sun, um, but he, in a sense, isn't, right? Like in a sense, it's just instead of fighting communists, he's fighting Americans and capitalists and, and, and things like that, but all the rhetoric changes around it, which is mm-hmm. what's interesting, right? He talks about like fighting for the workers and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it, so it ends up being this story about kind of like the arbitrariness of birth and like the, the sheer accidents that lead to major consequences. Um, but then you look at like even classic Superman stories like, like Kingdom Come, 
like the premise of Kingdom Come is that he is capturing all the other superheroes and putting them in a big superhero jail. And they, they did that before Civil War. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, like, <laughs> the, yeah, it, it's a common, yeah. a common read of, of Superman that he is. It's also like a very U.S. oriented episode. Like, we, don't, we never see anything outside the U.S. With justice and the American way. Yeah. yeah. So, or really even outside of New York, we don't really get a lot. Well, you, I mean, we have 40 plus minutes in Yeah, Kansas. on the West Coast, but like... Well, no, he he's lands in Kansas. We have a pretty extended sequence where he's just in the Midwest for a while. Right, but he's not doing like... I mean, that part sucks and it's suffering. boring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like the Midwest. Just like, like the Midwest. If nobody cares about that part. <laughs> like, all the, literally a flyover state. He's flying over it. Yeah. <laughs> this feels like it, it's very... Uh, I mean, like all documents, it's of its time, yeah. right? Where it just like... Everybody's like really concerned about like crime that's out of control and in, in the cities yeah. and, and nuclear weapons. Yeah, because we're and, still in the middle of the Cold War. And here's a story about crime in the city and crime, nuclear weapons. Yeah, crime and nuclear weapons. So it's like, wow, this is like the perfect like lead into the 80s. Yeah. That, yeah. That. Well, and that, that's eventually what ends up happening to this character in Dark Knight Returns is that Frank Miller, who is a fucking lunatic, but still a in the 80s anyways, a pretty good comic book writer, yeah. conceives of Batman as a you know, vigilante fascist kind of guy that Batman actually is, but conceives of Superman as like a Reagan Republican, mm -hmm. which was a really interesting take, and they end up fighting, and it's like this like look into the ethos of like intra-right-wing conflict, and it's... It's a classic comic book, and, and for a reason, but really kind of disturbing to read because like your options are like this lunatic on the right or this other lunatic on the right. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like most superheroes would be fascistic by your definition, right? They, I mean, it's, the a, idea of it. it's a common critique of, of the superhero mythos, right, is that mm -hmm. they are right-wing, they are very concerned with law and order, they're concerned with like the great man that's coming along to save everybody. And it's kind of unavoidable, right? Like it's built like, into the. Is there even such thing as a left-wing superhero? Um, you see it sometimes. Yeah, I, it, honestly, Captain America gets there a lot of the time. I actually think yeah. the Punisher is kind of too. In a sense, but yeah. even he is about like he, he's, he, he's militaristic and he's, many he's militaristic, versions, and yeah. he's not going after you know bankers and shit. He's going after mm -hmm. drug dealers, right? Like that's who he's blowing. And cops. His he, grenades. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not. The target isn't cops, right? The cops yeah. are are on the outside because they go after him after he shoots a drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I think the closest, I think that Captain America is there sometimes. Judge Judge Dredd. Okay, is, yeah. Wait, isn't, what? So Dredd is a fascist, but the, yeah. the comics are a commentary on, like, Thatcherism in the UK. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's meant to be an absurdist. That specifically? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then I think, the, I think it's, Green Lantern. I don't read DC Comics because I don't have a streaming service for those. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I think it's uh, Green Lantern that is canonically leftist. Like, and he'll he'll say very affirmative leftist things um, in his in his. his uh, but he's not still comic like books fighting crime and that kind of thing. It, probably, yeah. Um, the, that's what they all do. The best or the most on-point answer to fascistic superheroes is Watchmen. It's very clearly Watchmen. Like that's what that's that, an Alan Moore property, right? Who's right. Also wrote Judge Dredd for a while, I believe. Yeah. Well, he's he's done he's done that. He did um, he did Swamp Thing most famously after Watchmen and V for Vendetta, uh, probably more famously than Swamp Thing. Yeah, and but. he did a um, a fixed version of um, uh, I'm not gonna be able to think of it. 
Who's like the original like horror writer that like? Um, uh, are you talking about the um, like the Cthulhu and Angel yeah Eagles? yeah that guy yeah he, he wrote like a fixed Lovecraft. version he, yeah he, so he wrote like a fixed version of Lovecraft's stories okay. essentially if it, by fixed we mean like N- not politics. anti-Semitic yeah <laughs> less, less racist yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was the problem with those yeah um, but yeah but Watchmen is very much an answer to this problem with superheroes mm-hmm. and his concept uh his superman not the movie the, the movie is, well, is not great but yeah. the, the comic book it holds up really well and is excellent have, have either of you read watchmen yeah yeah okay so you know what i'm talking about then um like his his dr manhattan character conceptualizes superman not as a fascist but as someone who becomes so powerful that he ends up existing really outside of human time in a sense because he doesn't age and stops caring about humanity and so his answer, why would he? exactly, and his answer to all of human humanity's trivial problems is to say these are trivial problems. Why should I spend any amount of effort fixing them? Mm-hmm. And he just leaves Earth. <laughs> and that's yeah. it. Whereas, like going back to this movie, like Superman's just very concerned with like petty crime. Yes, and like just being like a a better cop, just a, a home monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. and, and I mean, he does it with a smile, which right. is like what people like about him. But like. All the crimes were very, like, crimes of, like, need, it seemed like, too. There were, like, people stealing money, right. essentially. Right, right. The, the only, like, really serious crime here is obviously the big, dumb, blow-up California plan. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it must have, like, rever- reverberated at the time because the, the economy is in, like, a tailspin again because it's, like, 1977 when yep. they're making this. So, like, the Saudi oil crisis is, mm-hmm. like... Happening right around the corner. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We have pretty good percentage of populations out of work. Yeah, you know, credit crunch is coming up. Yeah, uh, manufacturing's right dying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easy to say. It's easy to want to point to somebody and say it's their fault, right? Like we we have all these problems because crime's on the rise. Yeah. Right? And <clears throat> so you have this character with this happy face come along and say, "Yep, you're right, and I'm going to fix it," which is a, a really a picture of of how fascism functions, right? That the the great man comes along identifies an easy solution to all of your problems and says, I'm the only one that knows how to do anything about it. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, That said, I think what this character does well is, like, you look at the Zack Snyder Superman, and he's mean, right? Like, he doesn't come across as a nice guy, a friendly guy, as, as any kind of aspirational figure. And Superman, in the most generous reading, is someone you want to be more like, right? Mm-hmm. He's someone who is, in fact, truthful, who does and care about individual people in an individual way. So it represents uh, an ideal of what people should be. Right. And, and, and uh, again, that is the most generous reading you can give to this character coming from the left, and there is a persuasive argument that you shouldn't do that, um, that he really is problematic in a way that we shouldn't be embracing at all. Um, but this... But there's a way to embrace that type of Superman as opposed to the Superman that Zack Snyder gives us. And I think that Richard Donner is going for that here, this, this character that is more about, if necessary, finding nonviolent solutions, that is about you know, the, the truth and being nice to people and mm-hmm. reaching out to, to those around you. And I like that about the character, and I think I've missed that in, in DC properties lately. He doesn't even seem to have much imagination about his own abilities. Or like, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even seem to interest him that yeah. 
it, it, he's all powerful. No, that it, it doesn't. Yeah. It, that's not what moves him, right? Yeah, really. He just wants to be a cop. Like he really. <laughs> but he wants to be like a TV cop, right? Like he wants to be the like a, yeah. a cop that you would see on a on a serial in the '40s, right? Like the the cop that he's not hard boiled. Which is right. where like a lot of this material comes from, yeah. right? Doesn't it might I don't know Superman that well comics wise, but my understanding is that like very early on in Superman, he can't fly. He can like he can jump really high or something, mm -hmm. and like he's not invulnerable to like the level that he is in this film, right? Yeah, like if yeah. You, you can you can just Google the first Superman comic, like the one that's worth a million dollars or whatever. Yeah, like you can there are PDF scans of it, and you, so you can just read it, um, and there are frames. There are panels of him like struggling to lift a car and stuff like that, right? Yeah, just like things that would later on in his career would be would be trivial, mm -hmm. and yeah. So like, I mean, like all superheroes, like he was one of the first, and he things evolve, and yeah, he, he they, his his mythos evolves and becomes more robust and and so forth. But yeah, it becomes more robust in favor of being more powerful. Yeah, that's almost like a more interesting character though, because he's like much more fallible. And, well, that, and that's why, like Captain America, that's Captain America. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. would make the superheroes interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and they they bring in his weakness in this movie, right? That he is uh, the the Krypton, obviously, is uh, his Kryptonite is his actual weakness, and he's kind of dumb, right? <laughs> like that's his other weakness. Like yeah. he is he is a a kind of a dumb gullible man. Um, where we see again here the refined, intelligent businessman presented as the great evil. And the powerful, kind of dumb, nice guy presented as as yeah. the good, um, which you see re recurring over and over again. Gene Hackman kind of crushing this character. Clearly, the uh, best part of this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like the one of the few. Him and Margot Kidder are the only like yeah, interesting yeah, things also, on screen. We we have uh, we have not given her enough credit because she is really really good here. Who is that? Is she the female? That's Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. Okay. Lois Lane. Um, Never mind. So yeah, she, I don't know what you think of Lois Lane here, Charles. Um. Well, she seemed fine. I don't, I don't oh, really? think I have anything That's it? Really? specific to say. Oh, I like her a lot. Yeah, I like her a lot, too. I think she's great as a character because she's like kind of a street smart yeah. reporter, but also very fashionable, and <laughs> she smokes. And like. But, well, and they let her. Yeah. I mean, it's especially novel even now. She but kind of chases after men. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that she's like aroused by Superman. Right, it's not just like that. She's into <laughs> that was him. A like, funny scene. She's clearly just turned on by Superman, and like she has that moment where she's interviewing him, and she says, "Oh, how big you are? How big are you? Oh, I mean, how tall are you?" Yeah, right. Like that was a funny that's scene. kind of a dirty joke for a superhero movie. Well, then she makes the, yeah. she has the question about his bodily functions, and she has a long pause, and then asks if he eats. <laughs> that was great. Yes. Mm -hmm. That that whole that might be my favorite scene in the movie. Like their little interview in her twenty million dollar apartment. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ! Like yeah. what the fuck? Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think that, that garden penthouse works really well. Yeah, like yeah. she has this balcony that, with all this original-looking uh, masonry work and all this. It's like, all right, sure. Yeah. I guess I guess Daily Planet is pretty generous. I guess New York is having problems. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, no one did want to live in the city in the seventies, except so. Lois Lane, because she's a hard-boiled reporter. Yeah. She needs to be right on the the beat of the streets. <laughs> exactly right, or you know, in a. The San Andreas fault. Her outfits are kind of <laughs> incredible in the movie. She wears this like she looks like a Disney princess, right? Like, she really does. Yeah. yeah, she wears like this bright pink get up, and then or like that flowing blue like nightgown that mm -hmm. she has. In the she has like the crazy like yellow thing that she changes into to like go 
go to the Air Force One <laughs> oh, yeah. in, a, yeah, in right. a thunderstorm. Right. So yeah, I kind of I kind of really like the character that she embraces this clearly feminine idea with all of these yeah. these fashion choices, but is still allowed to show sexual desire and have some agency within her career and is shown to be good at her job, <laughs> right? Like. And that's a novel. Superman once again chides her for smoking. Which yes. is like, <laughs> smoke. get bent, you square. Fucking, like, fucking nerd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I did not understand Clark Kent's slash Superman scheme to like show her this amazing time flying around the city, and then for him to like sneak back up to her apartment in his Clark Kent outfit and like take her out on a lame date. Like I don't understand what he's he undermining was, himself. What he was going for there. Well, you should watch. Uh, <laughs> Superman 4. I have not watched Superman There's like an extended switcheroo sequence. Oh, where, oh God. Where he's like, has two dates, one with Lois Lane and one with Lana, I think. And they're from high school? And <laughs> he's like switching between Clark oh, and Superman. It's like a, it feels interminable. <laughs> Why, but so, wait, so you've seen Superman 4 Quest for Peace? Yeah, it's awful. Well, okay. Have you seen all of them? I've not seen all of them. Uh, I believe I've seen all of them. Although this one on rewatch, I, um, I think I might have never seen this actually as a movie. So you, you missed the good one. <laughs> no, I think I've, I've seen it, but I've only seen it on TV. Because oh, okay. there was like material that was like, in this movie that I didn't recognize. Okay. And that's like a sign of like having only seen it on TV. Mm-hmm. There's plenty, plenty to cut here. So maybe the TV version. Oh, I'm might sure. Be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also like an over three hour cut of this movie. That, yeah, because well, you were. I, Charles, I googled the movie yeah. to check the runtime, and it said three hours and eight minutes. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, like uh, even the modern Marvel movies aren't that long. Yeah. So. Some of the stuff I didn't recognize. Uh, I was like, wow, this is actually kind of good. Um, like the swimming pool sequence in Gene Hackman's they, lair. Oh, they cut that. That's great. Uh, that was totally a new scene to me, and <laughs> I was when he like, had the kryptonite necklace. No, the um, earlier one. No, no, no. When yeah, when, when just Hackman like swimming around in the pool, and then. Oh. <laughs> well, Ned uh, Beatty brings him his his uh, bathrobe. Before and he's like, out of the pool. Yeah, next time, wait until I get out of the pool before bringing me my robe. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also like not a pool, right? It's like a flooded subway tunnel. Right, that's underneath Park Avenue, apparently. and Under, yeah. uh, Underneath Grand Central, right? Right, yeah. well, they yeah. say that Park Avenue is... His what, whole headquarters has yeah. all the Grand Central markings on it, which yes. I thought was pretty cool. So um. I don't understand how why that is even there, or why it was initially built. Well, there are hidden like structures underneath Grand Central that are abandoned. Right. So okay, I wonder if they're that... It could be that. It, it yeah. must be, I guess. Um, and then we, I mean, really, we're not looking for logical explanations. No, for, no, no. <laughs> for his lair. But there actually is a reasonable explanation. Okay. Not that you could, like, set up a swimming pool, but... Right. Well, yeah. and, of course, this is not actually Grand Central. It is whatever the Grand Metropolis Central equivalent is Central, in, in yeah. Metropolis. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the problems... The, one of the many problems with the movie um, was that tonally it feels very uneven, where, like, at times it feels like an adult movie, and then at times it feels like a kid movie. Really? I thought... It, I did not get that sense. For me, it felt like pretty light throughout. Um, which side? Light, like a lighter movie, like a like more of a kids movie. Yeah, or? yeah, like it's because it, it, you have them like rescuing cats out of trees. You have like this this bubbly little romance plot. You mm. know, like the, sure. And some of the stuff around Lois so felt very like adult themes and like that's fair. Yeah, like I hear that. And and Hackman, his like 
motivations I'm not sure that like you could a ever explain to a kid. The entire Lex <laughs> yeah. Luthor subplot felt like a Bond film from that same era, like a Roger Moore Bond film. Yes, it had very complicated same, plot, a nuclear yeah, weapon. It had the exact so same work. feeling yeah. to it, even the same like kind of mm. pacing and like style of shots and that kind of thing reminded me exactly of a yeah. Bond film from that Well, period. he even mm. got to do like, I'm going to explain my whole scheme to you. For and, no reason. He literally detail. brings Superman into his headquarters to explain to him the scheme. Yep. And then, like, I don't know. <laughs> right. I, mean, I, I do like that... his narcissism, though, where he's like, oh, that's I am the smartest person. And they're like, not not really. Though. I wish there was something that actually like showed him that he was Well, dumb, he loses. But yeah, but he doesn't seem to like learn No, from that. well, of course but, not. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I like the line where he, he says, like, you ever heard a 200? It's my IQ and your weight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. <that's> good one. <laughs> Which is, like, a funny thing that, like, like an all right person would say oh, yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's classic R slash I am very smart material. Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, yes, yeah. it is. Um, uh, but Hackman's crushing this movie. He, he like, he's having a blast. Yeah, he's doing like 100, <laughs> 150% here. Right. And yeah. I think he's the one person that like is allowed to kind of do kind of everything and, and does it well. Yeah. Like they're goofy cartoon. Like his henchmen. Is also trying to do 150 and is not up to the, the, the task. More of a yeah, yeah. Stooge. Yeah. Well, and he's meant to be. Um, but I think what why it works for Hackman is that he's never diabolical, right? Like you never get the sense that he's you know like a Mr. Burns figure drumming his fingers together. Like he yeah. he always seems like he's just really brash and confident, mm-hmm. but confident in a way where he he's not even considering that somebody might challenge him or that somebody might you know, be able to stop him from doing whatever it is that he's going to do. And, like, that just kind of casual confidence, I think, works really well rather than this guy that is, you know, up to an evil scheme for the sake of an evil scheme. Right? Yeah. Hackensack is in <clears throat> New Jersey, yes. right? Yes, So his plan, his second part of the plan is to blow up Hackensack for some reason. I don't kind of get that. I, I didn't that under- was weird to me, and it seemed <laughs> odd that he would specifically cite Hackensack. I, and he must know that his I, henchman's mother lives there, right? I had to rewind to, like, did I miss it? <laughs> I thought it was a joke that he, like, mentioned this random town in New Jersey. I yeah. thought he was joking. I mean, Hackensack is relatively close to the city, I think. But wouldn't he be dropping a nuke on himself then? Or like, Well, no, because he's not in New York. He is in Metropolis. Oh, okay. Yes. New York is, is in fact, a different place in the DC universe. I thought New York just doesn't exist in the DC universe. No, I'm pretty sure it does. And that, like... Well, in the Snyderverse, Chicago is Metropolis. No. Right? uh, Chicago is Gotham. Oh, you're right. There's Metropolis. And Metropolis are different places. Metropolis is just like an unknown. In the Snyderverse, Metropolis is so close to Gotham that you can see them from each other. Yeah, they're across a river from one another. Oh, in the Snyderverse. So it's so in, that makes them both like it's in Toronto or both parts it's of Chicago. Not crystal clear where this fits into the, the. This I think this is really a fundamental problem with the DC universe. Yeah, that they insert these towns that are like major cities in the real universe. So then, like you're supposed to be able to keep in your head that there's this world that has you know New York and Chicago and Kansas, mm-hmm. but also like these other giant cities that are just like these cities that are yeah, next to them. I, I thought that DC <laughs> well, always just had an alternate universe where the big city isn't New York and instead it's Metropolis. Yeah, I need like, like a map. Right. And, and or Gotham. Exactly, and, and I think Gotham's this, been New York before too. Yes, it, well, and you, it's, New York is referred to as Gotham in real life, right? Like you yeah. look at the Gotham, Gothamist and People refer to the city as Gotham. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not crystal clear how that all works. Yeah. Oh, and the Marvel stuff is problematic, too, though, because they'll be like, 
we're in Johannesburg, yeah. where there's a terrorist attack <laughs> yeah. happening. It's like always somewhere in the Middle East or Africa. And yeah. It's like, oh. And they've pulled back from that a little bit, but there were some pretty. They egregious. still do it. There a are some lot. egregious yeah. examples and, and continue to be. Well, they went to like Croatia, right? Well, they have in Sokovia. One of the, yeah, yeah, so well, they, yeah they have fake countries. Sokovia. They make yeah. up some places, like Wakanda is, Wakanda yeah. is made up. Um, so, yeah, they, they do that sometimes, but then there, there are still like real world events that enter into the Marvel Universe, like 9-11 has happened in the Marvel Universe, and like that complicates things further. So, yeah, but I, I still prefer... Well, World War II happened in Marvel too, right? Because that's like one of the most important events in Marvel is, well, is World War II. Yeah, well, and Captain America was initially... A World War II comic. A, yeah. yeah, like the first issue is him punching Hitler in the face yeah. on the cover. <laughs> so, yes, very critical. Doesn't, didn't Superman do that too, though? He, well, Superman did that. He also... Um, Busted up the clan. I think have we all heard this story, where like part of the mythos of the clan when they were like actually not a not considered a terrorist organization entirely mm -hmm. is that they have like this secret structure and like nobody knew what like a grand dragon meant or like all their stupid names for shit that they, they like have. A, they were like Hydra. Right, and but like somehow the people that write the Superman radio series back in like the 30s and the 40s caught wind of this information <laughs> and just like put it into an episode of like the Superman show. And so you have Superman like beating up a bunch of clan members and like explaining their secrets to everybody. Nice. Well, like, I mean, a lot of the explain. writers are, are Jews, right? And yeah, so, so they have incentive to do it. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that I always thought. I was actually one of the best like comics exhibitions I've seen was at the Jewish Museum here in New York. Really, and they had mm -hmm. like art and bios about the different artists. Nice. That makes sense. And yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. And, they, and they showed like the connection between all the comics in World War Two and yeah, because well, I mean, because both yeah. Superman and Captain America were founded by. Jewish men. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of the writers were, were right. Jews for all these comics. So, and there's yeah. there's that great story. I don't yeah. think it was Jack Kirby. It was somebody else. But um, where that that cropped up when Black Panther was coming out, where somebody, so he got some note from a publisher about how there aren't enough uh, white people in his Black Panther comics. So in the next. Issue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had uh, Black Panther beating up a bunch of Klan members. It's like, yep. here's, here's your white people. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> they're all. They're all oh, that is awesome. And I thought that that was really funny. And in the movie, like the only white people are bad. In, well, except in for Black um, the, the Martin Freeman character. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there. I mean, it's not all you know fascists in, in superhero comics. I guess yeah. sometimes they do some okay stuff like. Beat up clan members and, and kill cops if you're uh, the Punisher. I mean, but I guess like it makes sense, right? If the national freakout is about like petty crime, which late seventies, early all through the eighties is, even into the nineties, they'll be the petty criminals. Yeah, like yeah. you're like the politics of media is going to be very reactionary. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. then you look at like my in modern superhero stories like. Winter Soldier, the, the movie version of Winter Soldier, like, what is the big fear? Surveillance, right? That the government is becoming too large and is can pull Yeah, Dark Knight is a lot about surveillance. Oh, yeah, Dark Knight is a defensive surveillance, though. Yeah, but it is, <laughs> yeah. like, it's in the ethos. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Yeah. And so Winter yeah. Soldier kind of functions as almost a response to that movie in that the over-surveillance of the population by the government is, is the great evil mm -hmm. and the, the thing that they need to, to stop. Um, so yeah, it's you know a genre that's responsive to what's going on in the world. <laughs> in, well, was it the most recent Superman film where he like he take he takes a drone down and I, he's like 
It's like at the end of one of the Superman recent I did ones. not watch Justice League. I'm not giving them another. No, no, no. It's pre-Justice League Superman. It's the one this like before sounds that. sounds like something that happened. Yeah. So he like, one of the like last scenes in the movie, he like, he lands and he's like holding a drone. He's like, don't watch me. He like tells the military guy <laughs> and he like puts it down. Entirely. Which okay. is like, it's so, such an American ethos, right? Where it's like, it's not okay that we have drones over our country. Right. But it's okay that we have them. Everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I they're mean, using drones to like track Superman, I guess. Did, did, uh, evidently. But no, I miss Even though he can like fly at the speed Wait, of light so or whatever. Our, our upcoming comic book film is Infinity War. So yeah. what, what's Thanos... And the that's Infinity a good question. Represent. Uh, we're, we'd have to actually see the movie, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that story's been told in the comics before, right? Yeah, I mean, if they replicate what Thanos does in the comics, I'll be surprised. Because what Thanos does in the comics is he gathers up all the Infinity Stones and snaps his fingers to kill off half of life in the universe in order to literally court the personification of death. And, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what happens in the, the main, the, the most... It's a big mating ritual. It is. Like, that, that's the, the drive of the character. It's, it's a love story. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so if they do that in this movie, um, I will be surprised. But, you know, the pieces are there. They could. Well, they're saying, uh, I saw someone... All six of them. Yeah. They're like, he must get all the stones, yes. right? Yeah, that's gotta. what's got to happen. Which is, yeah, and so Vision is probably dead. I think that he's yeah. one of the victims. Yeah, poor <laughs> <Or, laughs> Vision. Poor character I never knew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Vision seems to be kind of like a Marvel Superman too, right? In terms of like his power set, yeah. Yeah, um, and his look even. He, he looks like Superman. He, well, he flies. And also, yeah. also Dr. Manhattan, right? Because yeah. Vision is not... A, He's a computer, right? Like he's yeah. a, he's like a robot man, um, so that he's naturally removed from humanity in, yeah. a, in a way. Um, but yeah, wait, is our um, Avenger or no, <laughs> Watchmen? Uh, that's a DC property. Oh, okay. Yes. So they're, they're not in. They're not going to show up in the Marvel universe. No. Yeah. That. I was like, thank God. That. You could have told me that was going to happen. I believe. You. <laughs> no, like, they, they have. Yeah. In fact, just recently they started doing. Um, crossover events between the, the oh yeah I heard about Watchmen this I heard it's terrible and the yeah and the primary DC continuity and I haven't actually read any of that it doesn't even make sense it doesn't right? make sense because it's like opposite like, opposite world being joined with right yeah. like the, the it's this meta be, it's a meta world joining with the actual world right yeah. because the Watchmen they're universe, different because right? I think in the Watchmen world they like prevent Batman's parents from getting killed so there's no Batman well that's just in the the Snyder version that's not okay. in the book I think but just um, a little Easter egg then right but the, like the, it, Watchmen very clearly takes place in New York City. Like, the Vietnam yeah. War is a major plot point, right? Like, Nixon shows up in, in Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. like you can't really bring it into this universe unless you have some sort of, you know, yeah. crazy time travel alternate universe nonsense. Yeah. Um, we should probably give our closing thoughts here. Okay. But, like, I, I think this movie is fine. Yeah. Um, and... There are some good things about it, and there are some things that don't hold up. A lot of 70s movies are like that, and yeah. this feels like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's, uh, I think relative to modern Marvel movies, like it, it shows its age, but you're right. It's better than most Superman movies, and I think it's not even that close, really. Like We've had so yeah. many bad ones. Um, it's better than Suicide Squad. It's certainly better than <laughs> Suicide Squad. Um, it, needs a, it needs another pass uh, by an editor, I think, um, just to, to trim some of the fat here. 
Um, but it had like five writers, so imagine that. One of them was Mario Puzo. Did you see that? I he saw was, that. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he that how they got Marlon Brando? He was the first writer. He got a story credit. I don't think I don't know if he got an actual writing credit, but he got a story. They apparently, credit. they just hired him for his name. Really? So it's the Raymond Chandler move with Strangers on a Train, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he did like a first pass script and then they rewrote it. That's what, yeah, that's yeah. what I had heard as well. So I think he just got a story credit because of that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like this movie has pretty significant pacing problems, especially early on. There's the built-in political problems that virtually every superhero story has. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it still functions and I think it's a nice, like the most, I don't know, good-hearted version of Superman that you can really that you can really get. Um, what did you think of this one? I uh, thought it was fun, but yeah. I don't think it aged that well. Like a lot of the super, uh, a lot of the special effects stand out as really, really bad. And I didn't like the way they animated Superman's flying because it just it's feels kind of lame and like there's no weight to it. Like that's something that the more modern Superman films have done better, just because we have better special effects now. Is there's kind of that like uncanny speed to all that he can do, which makes sense because he's like super powerful, right? Yes. And in here he just kind of starts to float, and it's like, <laughs> all right. Um, and like the actual plot and characterization of this movie all felt very shallow. Um, and play. like you know, maybe I expect too much out of a movie from back then, but that's what I, that's why I say it doesn't age well because like Superman has no like real conflict or decisions to make. Uh, he doesn't have any like moral struggles or anything like that. He's just always on the right side, and like it's just not very interesting. Like all he does is he has to use his powers, which I mean he's omnipotent anyway to try to save the day. So I mean, yeah. I mean, the, I mean the one point that they do draw out there, I think, is that he gets this like prime directive instruction from Marlon Brando early in the movie, like you're not supposed to interfere. Just with human like history, this, this ideal, and that's exactly what he does to save the day, and it's presented as something good and something worthwhile. Um, so, in that sense, he's kind of you, you see him like becoming more invested in humanity, or at least like countering what his father is saying. But you're right in the sense that he's mostly a static character, right? He starts, yeah, he starts exactly. in, at point A and stays at point A. Yeah, like my favorite parts. Well, some of my favorite parts of superhero movies are like what makes them the characters that they are and the choices that they have to make. And he doesn't really make any choices in this one. He yeah. knows he's going to be saving people. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes the best superhero movie uh, Spider-Man 2, is that he actually yeah. has a decision to make, and it costs him something. Yeah, right? exactly. There's a, there is a, a toll that it takes. Um, but yeah, but for me, like, like I said, I think it's still uh, at least an interesting movie and gives us some context for like, the most popular movies happening right now, and that's, that matters. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. All right, we'll be back with uh, Things We've Seen. All right, thanks for listening. Right, and we're back with Things We've Seen. This is a section where we talk about just movies that we've seen recently. Uh, Wilson, you're, you're up first. Yeah, um, so I kind of went to a movie on a whim, or really like based on a screenshot this week. Um, it's called Zama, Z-A-M-A. -A. I don't know much of anything about it. Um, the screenshot I saw was like shot in a in a kind of a panoramic view of these horses going through like a sparse looking jungle and it was very green and colorful and I was like, that looks cool. So I decided to just hmm. kind of do that thing where you go to a movie without knowing that much about it and like you get a, like a fresh take of it and sometimes it's really great. This movie was called Zama. It is about, it takes place in Paraguay during the colonial period of South America in a Spanish colony there. Um, it centers around a character named Zama who is uh, an official born in the colonies who has now been trans or been stationed at this 
backwater Berg that he doesn't want anything to do with. He spends the bulk of the movie trying to get out of there and dealing with the bureaucracy that is surrounding it and making stupid little power plays and ignoring his son and trying to have an affair with this noble woman that's living there and just doing mostly trivial things. Um, until eventually in the second half of the movie he is placed on some expedition where terrible things happen to him. The movie functions, I liked it a lot, I thought it was an excellent movie. Um, it works in a way that makes it very difficult to track time and to track purpose and to make a connect and to draw connective tissue from one event to the next in a way that disorients the viewer and also disorients the character and makes the colony that he's living on this purgatory that he can't escape from. There's many ways to read that, both psychologically for the character himself, as he fails to realize that all of his dumb little plans don't mean anything and that he needs to just resign himself to being stuck here, um, but, he can, but at the same time cannot accept that very obvious reality. It also functions as a metaphor for colonialism itself, wherein you are placed in a strange place that you expect to dominate and it ends up destroying you as a person and as a personality and eventually dismembering you, which is what happens to, to this character. Um, fascinating a deep dive look at an individual man. Um, beautiful movie to look at. Just the, the striking shot that drew me to the movie in the first place is even better on the big screen and there are many more like it throughout the film. Um, complicated movie, kind of hard to watch sometimes. Um, if you, I think I need to watch it again to pick up on all the individual plot points, um, but I'm not sure that that's really the most important thing that's going on here. It's more about drawing, drawing out this mood of futility and confusion and you know, kind of a, a, it's striving for something that is unattainable. Um, but it's certainly worth watching and I hope that it gets some attention um, when it comes to best foreign language uh, awards. Um, I know that it was very popular and, and well awarded uh, in, in Argentina. Um, and another film from a, a female uh, filmmaker, uh, uh, Lucretia Martel, I believe is her name, um, who's made several other movies that I have not seen but now I want to pursue because this one was, was pretty fascinating. Uh, but Zama, if you have a chance, it's playing at Alamo right now and a couple other theaters in the city. Um, so if, if you have a chance to see it, go check it out. Yeah. You see anything good, Crossman? Um, I saw A Quiet Place, but we kind of yes. spoke about it last week. A Quiet Place is pretty good. Yeah, I liked um, it. I'd recommend going to see it. Um, I also recently watched um, The Wiz. <laughs> Which I'd never seen before. Me neither, actually. Um, the Wiz. The Wiz, yeah. So Wiz is um, a Motown Records movie. It was their last movie that they made out of like mm -hmm. 12 or something. Um, it's an all-black cast since The Wizard of Oz. Um, and it's uh, it's really kooky. It's, it's pretty wacky. Um, yeah. It's definitely... So the land of Oz is New York. Like they they shoot all around New York. Um, so they're at like the abandoned World's Fair site. They go to Coney Island. They go to the World World Trade. Mm -hmm. um, they're in Harlem at the beginning of the movie, and it's it's great. The music is is really incredible. Um, when was this like, movie made? Oof. Uh, probably around the same time as Superman. Um, okay. Yeah, if, if I remember really it quick. right. And it, it, there's a stage production as well, right? 
and it's yeah, it was originally a stage production in the movies the same year Superman, nineteen seventy eight. Yep. Right. Um, <clears throat> it originally was a stage production, and then the, but the, I guess the movie's different. I don't I don't know the nuances of of the differences. Okay. Um, so it's a hell of a cast. Jeez, it is Diana a hell of a cast. Diana Ross, Michael Jackson. Wow. So oh, it, wow. it was about midway through the movie when I started googling. Like looking at like a the IMDb for yeah. just while I was like watching it, and I was like, "Holy shit! This <laughs> this scarecrow is Michael Jackson." <laughs> I didn't recognize him whatsoever. Well, they must be pretty heavily made up, right? <laughs> he yeah. is, and I was like, "Who's this woman that's playing the scarecrow?" <laughs> like she has an amazing voice, <laughs> and it's Michael Jackson. It's Michael Jackson. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's um. Richard Pryor is the wizard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pryor actually doesn't have a lot to do in the Bummer. movie, unfortunately, um, which is unfortunate because he's such a great character. Yeah. But he's just kind of like a very pitiful version of, okay. of the wizard. And um, he really doesn't have much to do here. But the, the, main, the core cast of Diana Ross, um, Michael Jackson, Nipsey Russell, and Ted Ross are incredible. I believe it. Um, they're all incredible. And Diana Ross in particular is doing like really amazing things. Um, very reminiscent of Singing in the Rain. Who's who's the woman in Singing in the Rain? Uh, I hate to put you on the spot. Julie Andrews? No, it's not Julie no. Andrews. Oh, wait, no, no, I'm thinking of it. Didn't want Yeah, the other one. Um, sounded very good. reminiscent of that performance because she's like, um, has has an amazing voice, obviously, because it's Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. But she's dancing, like doing pretty impressive, like dancing in heels, and then like walking around New York in the '70s in heels, and like good ones. It's it's amazing. Debbie Reynolds. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Very reminiscent of, of that okay. performance, and but very likable character she plays. It's like someone that you really like connect with, and like. Um, I guess they didn't want to use Diana Ross because she was 33 at the time, and that was like she was like on the old. That's, that's old, old for side. Dorothy, yeah. And um, but she's great in it. And right. she, she's well, amazing. Of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what it's it's a weird movie, and I think like Superman kind of suffers from like having a lot of scenes that they could cut out. Yeah. Um, but there's some, there's a lot of great stuff to happen here. My favorite sequence is actually when they get to the Emerald City, which is the world, the Twin Towers. Oh. Um, they are, there's a lot of like New York commentary, so they're doing like a commentary on fashion, how quickly like fashion changes. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 horses. the Wiz kind of, yeah, and it's a reference <laughs> to the horses in the yeah. original movie. Oh. Um, the Wiz kind of calls down, the wizard uh, calls down like what the new fashionable color is. <laughs> and then instantly everybody's in like a new costume. That's great. <laughs> that like matches that. That's pretty good. And they're like that, that's like no longer cool, we're now this. And they do, there's like an extended sequence of that. That was my favorite part of the movie. That's pretty good. Has really nothing to do with the plot other than just being like a here's a weird thing, <laughs> yeah. which is the point of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, but again, it's one of these movies that's also like very much about the place, like the Coney Island. Um, one of the big themes of the movie is like trash. So just like there's just like trash in every scene and this scarecrow is like made of he's not made of of hay he's made out of trash okay the tin man is also just kind of like recycled junk and like a lot of the sets and costumes are just like junk and i think again talking about the 70s and how new york is like broke at the time so there's like all this trash just like piling up in the city and so like all the characters themselves are like literally made of trash huh. uh 
Yeah, that is 1970s. It's like the taxi <laughs> Garbage driver Garbage and petty crime. Yeah. That's New York. Yeah. Um, pornography. Yeah. It's good. I think one change I think that's good, too, is that they don't do the, like, oh, and my uncle was the scarecrow, and the, this oh, person was yeah. the thing. They just, like, don't do that. It, it's it's, it's, it's a, a weird, crazy world. Yeah, it's just a weird world that she, like, got stuck in a tornado and, like, gets okay. into. Yeah. You were there. You were there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's... Yeah, it's it's a good movie. I'd, I'd recommend watching it. Okay. It's, um, like a very good musical. Is so. it on Netflix or something? Where did you uh, watch it? I think we watched it on Prime. But okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that works too. Yeah. Um, I also have that one. We're checking out. It's it's strange and and strange in a good way. Okay, I like strange. Yeah. Uh, speaking of strange, uh, Charles, did you watch anything good? What's <laughs> supposed to mean? <laughs> Anything good this week? Um, so I have not had a chance to catch a new movie. I mean, part of that because we were away from the Magic Tournament, and there hasn't been too much around that I want to see. Uh, I'm a little wimpy for A Quiet Place, but I think I, I will, think you can handle it. I think I will try to go and see it. Okay, um, but I think that's the only movie out Qu- right now that what's I'm your ver- looking can, to see. Can Carol's handle Quiet it's, Place? Um, it's intense. It's very like, right, but there's not a lot of, like jump scares or anything like that. There's a couple. Yeah, but not like. But I mean, really, I can handle these kinds of things. See, you're fine. I think. Um, Didn't help her as long it. as it's not like weird, like body horror gore. Yeah, no, it's none of that. So I think I think I should be okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think I will go see it. You should. Um, but as for things I have seen, I was <laughs> I was thinking about talking about Westworld because it's been like a TV renaissance these last two months, as I've said. Yeah. Um, but I feel like most people are already on Westworld, so I figured I haven't talked about the Expanse yet. I don't think, right? No. The Expanse has been back for about two or three weeks now, and I figure I'd talk about that because it's you know less of a well-known show, and I'd like to recommend it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the best part of the Expanse was definitely. Halfway through the first season, through halfway through the second season, because that's like one big plot arc that goes through for some reason halfway through these two seasons. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. um, but it was such a great thrill ride all the way through that part. Now I'll admit the show has slowed down a bit since then um, because it's hard to match that crescendo, and you can't do it constantly. What's the? I don't know anything about the show. What is the premise? The premise is it's the future, uh, and humanity has started to settle the solar system. So okay. we have like a United Earth government, and then like Mars is its own entity, and then um, the asteroid belt where they mine for resources is its own sort of nation. Mars is like a militarized sure. society. Yeah. Very reminiscent of like Trojans. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah, and so they have some sort of political intrigue between these three entities. And- the belt is like a, the sort of the third world in the system, so it's like the asteroid belt. So they yeah, so they're, they're, they're the essentially coal metaphor. miners. It's a colonial metaphor. They yeah. take they take water from the belt and other resources, right. and the, the two planets are kind of competing for resources in the belt. Okay, so yeah. Lenin yeah. was right. Is basically <laughs> what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and Sue when they find an alien molecule substance. Okay, and um, you know things start Drama to happen ensues from, from there. there. Got it. Um, and things are starting to heat up again now. They're building up, um, so it's getting pretty exciting. Uh, we're in season three now. Okay, because I, I think I saw the... F- I, you guys have talked about the show offline several times. Yeah. In glowing terms. I'm on season two, so I'm not where Charles is. Okay, because I saw the first season on Prime, I think, and I yeah. was like, hey, that's a show, um, and I thought about watching it, but I have another shows to watch, too. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, there's so yeah. many shows, but I like it's, this one. I tend to veer toward sci-fi shows. You sure do. 
Um, and so this is one of them. And yeah, it, it took a few episodes to pick up. So I think if you start watching it, like I almost didn't watch it after the after the pilot. Right. Um, but I kept going after a few episodes because some of my friends said, no, it, it does get really good. And then it really like launches right, the, off the a first few episodes very in. Good. Yeah. yeah, it launches off and then that plot line just keeps going through halfway through season two and yeah. it's just nonstop awesome. All the way through. Yeah. Okay. They do some like kind of corny stuff in the first episode, and they immediately ditch that in the <laughs> in the following episodes. And yeah. I was so happy that like, the show like really is actually better in the the following episodes. You'll see that now and then, right? Like where yeah. a pilot just strikes a very different tone, or even like different yeah, sets. And they and shoot like them that, at yeah. vastly different times usually, yeah. so it's it's no surprise. Would, yeah, which is um, why they get more money. You know. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's yeah. lots of times where I like the pilot more than the rest of the show. Like that's the case of Lost. Uh, Westworld for me. The pilot yeah, was my the favorite pilot. episode of fir- the first season, but here yeah. it gets better after the pilot. Okay. So. Yeah, which is really better. what you want. It's also one of those quote unquote like realistic takes on science fiction where Hard there's sci-fi. no like. There's no uh, Jedi. There's no like space warp stuff. Okay. And right. They just travel at sublight speeds through the solar system. Yeah. They're only within the solar system. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, tel- they have the, the technology makes sense as like advancements of like current. Right. Technology. And it's pretty cool to see them do like the zero g maneuvers with their spaceships. <clears throat> it's supposed to be what it might really be like if you had a spaceship. So you see all the little jets activate right. to maneuver the ship around and how things happen inside the ship if they had zero G. There was like a pretty cool action scene in the latest episode uh, related to some stuff coming unbuckled while they're in a zero G combat okay. uh, situation. And so they're like maneuvering the ship around and this stuff's like floating around or flying around the ship and like threatening to hit people. And yeah. That was and a really cool scene. The ships shoot like bullets at each other and the okay. bullets go like right through the ship. <laughs> and it's actually like very refreshingly realistic. That's like, cool. Yeah, it's how. pretty badass. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I'll put it on the list. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the the show. It has a very Star Wars like ethos, where it's like a like a crappy universe, not like a hopeful Star Trek universe. Yeah. So maybe more like, like Alien. The, the tech thing. is it's dirty. a while again, very Alien inspired. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Not not from the horror sense, but from like the right. the, the setting, the style of tech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you you have mm-hmm. like cargo haulers and that kind of stuff, sure. and they're appropriately dirty, like a like a semi truck. Right. It's that kind of aesthetic. So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. It like also has like tech. a lot of political intrigue. Okay. Like very, not as Game of Thrones, but like Battlestar. There's Battlestar wasn't that political. But, the, but there were times when it was, right? So it's like a medium level. Oh, no, that's true. No. They had, like, elections and stuff. Yeah. Here it's more like, you know, between There's nations. just, like, multiple, oh, like... Okay. There's, like, political factions, and, yeah. like, you need to understand, like, what each of them is doing. Okay, I'm into that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool. And yeah, and there's some maneuvering between powerful political figures. The societies well. are, like, well-developed, too. Which, yeah, it's it's a yeah. well fleshed out world. Yeah, it's really cool. It's cool. it's based on a book though, so they have like a lot of yeah. material to draw or books. Book series, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and that's like a better format for adapting a book. It's a long form television show rather Absolutely. than Absolutely. I, I wish they made like a Dune TV show yeah. instead of movies. I wish that's what they done with Harry Potter. I wish that there yeah. was yeah yeah. They did they did Dune as a, like a mini series. Yeah, a, I didn't BBC. watch that one actually. It's, I've heard of it. It's the one that like. Fans like the most is my understanding. I should check that out. Go get yeah. it. Yeah, um, and I've, I feel like I've seen parts of it, um, but I like the movie. I'm, I'm apologist for the movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I didn't read the source material, so it doesn't like betray my. It's, it's an book. It's not a good source material for the screen because a lot of it happens inside people's heads. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it yeah. is what it is. 
yeah, it's it's 700 pages too. So it's it's long. It's long. Uh, what do we got coming up next, Crossman? It's your pick. Yeah, you um, I would uh, like to watch Wayne's World for okay. this week. Right. Sure, yeah. let's watch Wayne's World. Cool. Will this be our first SNL movie? I think. Yeah, it yeah. has to be. Yeah, what else? Would it's one of even the few comedies that we've done. So. Yeah, that's that's true. So okay, cool. Um, so we'll be thank thank you for listening, everybody. If you like the show, um, tell people about it, share it on your social media platform of choice, um, and we welcome any comments, critiques. Uh, Praise, whatever, whatever you got. Discussion. Discussion. Um, and join us next week for Wayne's World. <laughs>